To another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. As always, I'm your host Marcus, and I'm your host B. Reed. Baby, what's up, man? Special Sunday edition of uh, the Two Smart Dummies podcast. Happy to see football back, man. I don't think that it lived up to my expectation. Definitely some surprises. I think we're seeing the effects of no preseason. Oh, no doubt, no doubt that that Thursday night game was an abomination. Um, you know, some of the games today were definitely sloppy. Um, you, I mean, but like, you know, I always say it's just one of those things where the it's like the first four weeks of the month or of the season now, September is basically the preseason, and you won't really know who any teams are until about October. Yeah, I try to, I try to hold off um, with making any kind of drastic claims about any team just because it just, I mean, you can just see the game plans don't even look like they, everyone is just rusty. But some people you just know are going to be good. Like, I can say we did our over and unders. I was completely wrong about Kansas City. They're going to be a problem this year. A real problem. A real problem. Sammy Watkins actually can catch footballs now. Even with the Tyreek Hill injury today, uh, I think that offense, man, that shit just looks so easy for them. Yeah, Tyreek Hill seems like he avoided serious injury, but they were worried about him for a second. He went, um, sounded like his collarbone popped through the skin. Um, Sounds disgusting. Yeah, they took him to the trauma center in uh, in the hospital, but apparently he's only going to miss a couple weeks, um, so they say now. But, yeah, I'm still not a believer in really in Sammy Watkins' consistency, but um, he he had an amazing game today. Yeah, I mean, there were some big injuries in week one, too. I mean, we talked we talked about the Tyreek Hill injury. I think Joe Mixon sprained his ankle. Um, Nick Foles is the biggest one, broken collarbone. It's on the opposite shoulder, but I think he had a problem with that before. I feel like when he was at the Eagles, he did something to his yeah, shoulder. Yeah, he's broken his collarbone before. Yeah, I felt like that happened before. Um, and it kept him out, I want to say, like eight to ten weeks. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a big thing. Even though the rookie, um, Garrett Minshaw, whatever his name is, from Washington Gardner State. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. He looked really good, really efficient. But, I mean, I, that's, that's still a tough blow. I mean, they just gave Nick Foles, what, $20, 22000000 million. And then he goes out, and then you have to substitute him with a rookie. Now, the good thing about it is that rookies had a lot of preseason play. They played him, like, pretty much full games through the preseason. So, he's had a lot of extensive work with that offense. Almost like they were preparing him for this exact moment. Yeah. Yeah. Hope not. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, so, first of all, let's talk about Antonio Brown. Um, we're, we're We're in week one here. Antonio Brown asked to be released by the Oakland Raiders um, after last. I think the last time we we talked, uh, shit had hit the fan, but not really hit the fan. Nah, um, right before the storm, right before Crackergate, um, <laughs> and fighting the GM, and um, you know, ultimately being released. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You know, I have never seen a dude fail up so many times like I don't understand I legitimately don't understand 
how this worked out so well for him. And I'm starting to think that this was a setup from the jump. Um, if not on both parts, definitely on the part of Antonio Brown um, and possibly on the part of the Patriots. I, I have a hard time believing that they, they didn't set this up some way. Yeah, it's funny because I sent out that little I found on Twitter where they were in the middle of all this storm and everyone saying that Antonio Brown was an idiot. This dude tweeted out about Brewster's millions. Uh, if you never watched that movie with Richard Pryor, the dude had to spend, he had to get rid of thirty million dollars in order to inherit three hundred million dollars. So he couldn't tell anybody. Yeah, he couldn't tell anybody about his plan. So it looked like he was completely nuts while he was doing it, and I. I sent it to the group chat being funny, but now that I sit and think about it, that shit, I think that's what's really happened. I mean, if you really think about it, Antonio Brown got traded from Pittsburgh. Um, The report said that New England offered a first-round pick to Pittsburgh, but of course Pittsburgh didn't want him to go to New England. So they turned it down and went with the Raiders the third and fifth. Of course, Antonio Brown was going to be with it because he got guaranteed money, $30 million. At some point... He was not okay with being with the Raiders. I don't know at what point this was. It could have been as could have been a month ago, because I mean a lot of stuff been going on in training camp. I don't know when Antonio Brown decided that he didn't want to be with the Raiders anymore. But this looks like a carefully orchestrated plan between Antonio Brown, Drew Rosenhaus, and the Pats, and they knew last week was the drop-dead deadline to get him released. Because if the Raiders, if he started week one and played week one and committed that $15 million to him, they weren't going to just let him go for free. They weren't going to cut him after that. After that, the only way he gets let go was would be by trade. But that means he's not a free agent. That means he can't choose his destination anymore. So I don't know if... I don't, I don't know if I feel like this dude's an asshole or he's a complete genius. <laughs> like, I'm not really sure... Where I fall, I mean, of course his moves are an asshole move, but he kind of controlled his own destiny like we always talk with, like, players. Like, being for the players, controlling your own destiny, forcing moves. It's really no different than players forcing trades in the NBA. It's just the way he went about it was just so negative. (laughs) I mean... Yeah. I mean, I'm all about, look, being able to play where you want. I mean, he didn't get cheap free agency, but... To drag the Raiders through this, an organization that showed that they were going to bend over backwards for you to make you a star or keep, you know what I mean, to make you the face of the organization, you know, to do that to a team like that, especially when you know how, like, the, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. You know, the Raiders are rebuilding. It's just not a good look. This The Raiders have been a clown show for, you know, almost 20 years outside of, you know, 2016. And, you know, to, to come in and kind of, you know, embarrass them is you know i that's almost unforgivable if you don't want to play for him just don't play for him well he needed you know, he, just like you did with the bills you know what i mean he did he didn't okay that trade and you know stop the trade from going through yeah but he needed a mark he needed to, he needed somebody to set his market and the raiders set his market for him um that fifteen million dollars. Everyone talks about the thirty, but it was really about the fifteen that he was guaranteed of that thirty million dollar contract. If he was on the week one roster of the Raiders, then it would have been fifteen million dollars or fourteen something like that. So, yeah. for within hours of him being released and him being so happy and running around, blah blah blah, and then an hour or two later he signed by the Pats. Listen, 
there has to be some type of collusion. <laughs> like the past- Especially when you find out that he apparently had a, a social media consultant uh, help him figure out a way to get released quickly from the Raiders. Because there's no, there's, I mean, they're a good organization, just like any other organization. But most, or they signed them before any organization could even, you know, field calls or do any background. So that means that they already knew what was going on. They were totally comfortable. Like this literally happened within an hour or two. Just boom, this happened. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it should not happen that fast. If, if they had legitimate concern because they didn't know what was going on and they were watching this Raider situation and they had no contact with Drew Rosenhaus, like they would, there would be some type of, you know, I'm look, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but they, they would have been more cautious about it. It seems like they were totally comfortable with a dude that's had a uh, frostbite on his feet. Uh, missing training camp on social fighting media, GMs. fighting GMs, cursing GMs, like all oh, that was just like ah, who cares? Let's go ahead and sign them. Like that does some some seems fishy about that whole situation, to me man. I just I just don't understand it, man. So let's talk about this from the Raiders side of things. And yes, I am a Raiders fan, but can we stop all the the all the the, the thing that drives me crazy is that people can't be objective. Yesterday. The Raiders were the biggest idiots in history for taking the chance on this dude. You know, the Raiders are dumb. Ha ha, only the Raiders. But now, today, the Patriots are brilliant. Bringing in a guy like Antonio Brown is only going to make them win. You know what I mean? It's like, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. we're shitty for giving up a third and fifth round pick for the dude. I mean, that I, I feel like you take the risk on a guy like that. You know, no one, no, I don't care what anyone says, no one saw this coming. Um, how this played out or how this went down. And I actually, I, I, I truly, I think if it were up to Gruden, uh, he'd still be on the team. I agree. I think, I think Mayock was like, you know what, enough. Get away from here. We've got a lot of young talent on this team, and we do not need a cancer in the locker room. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm happy for the Raiders to, to, you know, they did bend over, bend over backwards for the guy, and then finally enough is enough, and he's got to go. Yeah, and I actually don't even think that Antonio Brown, like, didn't want to play for the Raiders. Like I don't think like when he first initially came over he didn't want to play. Something happened and I and I like I said last episode, I believe that it was something between him and Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock didn't like him, didn't like his attitude at some point in time. I think John Gruden was on board with whatever. You know, John Gruden would have put up with Antonio Brown to get that talent on the field. He's a coach. His right. job is to win games. But Mike Mayock He's trying to change the atmosphere. We talked about this last episode. He's trying to change the culture and the atmosphere of the Raiders. And when Antonio Brown just started missing practices, kind of doing whatever he wants, you got the the lawsuit with the helmet, you have this, that, and the other. Like All these things are not helping you change the Raiders' culture. So do you want to sacrifice the change of culture just to get a talented person like Antonio Brown that could you know kind of sabotage your younger players on there that you're building I mean when he left it's kind of like when Dwight Howard left um, Atlanta Hawks nobody was like oh my god I can't believe we lost this talent everybody was like good that's a relief now we can get back to playing football the same thing that's happened exactly the reports that came out of Oakland today the players were like good <laughs> uh, you know we can move on 
Yeah, so I, I mean, he just he was there to sabotage. He didn't want to be there. And like I said, I don't think initially when he got traded and he got his money, I don't think he was unhappy then. then. Something happened during this process. He didn't feel like the Raiders supported him. He didn't feel like Mayock supported him. Because uh, I think he was unhappy way before the fines. Because he wasn't consistently practicing way before Mike Mayock, you know, fined right. him. He was doing, like, private sessions and catching balls. But he wasn't, like, really a part of the team at any point in time during this offseason. He's always been kind of doing his own thing, even on hard knocks. You know what I mean? And, you know... It- it's actually you go back and and see he um he actually liked Derek Carr. He they they played together in a few Pro Bowls and he's always mentioned how much he liked Derek Carr and would like to play with Derek Carr. Um you know. So I mean, I guess yeah, maybe I do agree with you that or maybe it does make sense that at some point something happened and he's like fuck this, I'm out and you know, there's he had to have figured out that he had the Patriots or someone on standby, some kind of guarantee plan B fallback plan. Um, because this just went off the rails fast. And he really started pressing. Like, after after he got suspended in the report, I think it was like Thursday when they started talking about him calling the cracker and that report. After that, then he came back and he did the apology. That's when the reports about him getting released and losing the guaranteed money and they can cut him. Those reports were really hot and heavy. But then, at that point in time, I don't think he had a security blanket. Because if he did, he wouldn't have came back and made that apology in front of the captains. So then he comes back and he makes the apology in front of the captains. Then that night, Friday night, he releases audio and then he goes into just like full trying to get cut mode. I think at that point, Thursday, late Thursday after he made the apology, I think the Patriots reached out to Drew Rosenhaus. Because when they saw he was going back to the Raiders... You know what I mean? Because why why go make the apology in front of the team if you don't plan on staying and you want to get cut? You know what I mean? Right. Like, at some point after that happened, he changed. Now, now Mike Mayock did not help the situation by being petty. After he, after he apologizes in front of the team to go back and then fine him $215,000. Now you're... Just so you can... You know what I mean? Deal. Yeah, so it's kind of... It was a, it was a lot of ego going on. So I don't... I don't want to put all the blame on Antonio Brown. Yeah, he does need to take responsibility. Yeah, I understand holding people accountable. But at some point in time, it becomes excessive. You you hit him with the $54,000 fine. Y'all got into argument. You sent him home. He came back. The captains and John Gruden talked to him. And then you find him again. So that makes, it, it makes me feel like Mayock was like, well, you apologized to them, but you didn't apologize to me. You know what I mean? You might have apologized to John Gruden. You might have apologized to your teammates, but you didn't apologize to me, so I'm gonna find you anyway. Like that 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 seemed like petty and ego. And like I said, Mike Mayock is new to this. I don't know that he understands how to play the game because it does take some stroking of ego with talent. Yeah. Um So we'll see how uh like I said, we're recording this on Sunday night, so you guys by the time you listen to this, the uh Raiders game may have already happened um, but um, I'm curious to see how they uh, how the Raiders move on like I said I think they did the right thing by getting rid of them um, you know you're not winning a Super Bowl with Antonio Brown anyway yeah. in, if you're the Raiders um, so you know yeah you lose a third and a fifth last year but hey that's fine yeah I mean it's a, it's, <laughs> a, it's a gamble on talent I mean you gamble on yeah. talent it's just 
eerie that this reminds you of the Randy Moss situation. You know what I mean? Randy Moss comes in. He goes to the Raiders. He doesn't like it. But Randy Moss played a whole year and didn't give effort. Then he goes and he looks extraordinary going to the Pats. But other right. than that, it's the best situation for both teams. You don't want the, the Raiders. You don't want to commit that $15 million to Antonio Brown. Because at that point in time, you don't know that his attitude is going to change. Even though he apologized to the team, once you commit that guaranteed money to him, you're locked in. Now he has more leverage than you do. So the best situation, even though he did get what he wanted and he went to the Pats, excuse me, it's still the best situation for Antonio Brown and for the Raiders. So now Antonio Brown's happy. Now the Raiders can move on and go in another direction. And, you know, last thing, I mean, that I think for the Raiders, now that circus, while people are going to make fun of the Raiders for, you know, the first half, first couple of weeks of the season, once we get in the season, it's not going to matter because you're going to see whether or not the Raiders are performing on the field and maybe not necessarily through wins, but at least they're competitive. You know, this is a young team that was, you know, 4-12 and 12 last year. So if they're improving upon that, at least it's about football, and, and it's not about Antonio Brown. That circus is in New England, and it's going to stay in New England, whether or not they can handle it. Because, yeah, they had Randy Moss, but the Josh Gordon, the the, the uh, Antonio – I mean, then again, they had Randy Moss, Corey Dillon. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. The Patriots are going to be the Patriots anyway. So, But that circus is now gone from Oakland, so it probably helps you in that regard. And I'll tell you another thing, man. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy because it's not – John Gruden's fault, but the 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 narrative around John Gruden. If the Raiders does don't win and John Gruden end up being fired, it's gonna be the first year you traded away Khalil Mack. No matter what package of picks you get, you traded away Khalil Mack, and Khalil Mack did whatever he did with the Bears. And then this year you get Antonio Brown, and then you lose Antonio Brown for nothing some point, Gruden's going to have to win. He's going to have to stack up some wins and show that this team is moving in the right direction because as of right now, the narrative is not in his favor. Yeah, and like I said, the the, the Khalil Mack thing is one thing. I turns out I think it was the right move. Um, you know, the, the, AB, the AB thing, it's tough to – I mean, no one saw that coming. Like I said, no one saw that coming. So while I agree with you that, yeah, the, this has been two big strikeouts for him, and then, you know, and I still hear people laughing about Amari Cooper or whatever. I mean, Amari Cooper literally is whatever. If, if you can get a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, you do that 100 times out of 100. Yeah, but as um, of today, I think he went for another 100 yards to touchdown. So, yeah, but that's, and that's fine. But like I said, you got cats that don't want to be there. You're able to turn that into what seemed like the best safety in the draft. That's fine. You know, the Raiders are trying to rebuild, and you're not going to win with a star receiver. And that, that's just the facts. Um, so we'll, we'll see how, how Oakland does. I'm with you, Gruden. I mean, look, we're only in year two of Gruden in a 10-year contract that was fully guaranteed. <laughs> John Gruden's not going anywhere. Yeah. I don't think Mike Mayock's going anywhere. You know, if you see any changes, Derek Carr will probably be the one to go here in the next year or two. But I think Derek Carr's going to have a big year with or without Antonio Brown because the Raiders' line has improved and they, they put more talent around him finally. So, um, Buy stock in Tyrell Williams. I agree. Uh, 100% agree. Shit, I'd buy stock in Keelan Doss. Um, they did bring Keelan know, Doss with a $300,000 signing bonus to bring him back from Jacksonville's and, practice squad. And 
guaranteed the full 470, uh, 475k so they shouldn't have um, let him go in the beginning that was kind of shitty anyway yeah but he's back um you know raiders the raiders do have talent they they do it's young talent a lot of it's unproven um but so we'll see how the season goes I, I don't think that this is necessarily going to derail their season long term but it's just the problem with the young team is you got to be mentally strong so we'll see how they do but let's get today to to today's games or if you want to start thursday that game was tough the bears packers yeah man we did those over and unders and i had a lot of faith in a lot of these teams and man it seemed like all the teams i had faith in just had a shitty performance like the bears offense was atrocious a lot of people are gonna blame mitchell trubisky i'm not gonna blame mitchell trubisky Part of being an offensive coordinator and a head coach is knowing who your quarterback is. That's what that's what I respect about the Eagles and Doug Peterson and getting Nick Foles in and being able to adjust the offense. You should know what you can give your quarterback. And once they came out in the T formation with three running backs, I could tell that Nagy was just doing way too much, man. That's the difference between a Nagy being an innovative offensive playmaker and a Sean McVay. Like, Sean McVay gives Jared Goff exactly what he needs to be successful. He doesn't overcomplicate it. He keeps it simple. He puts him in a situation that's positive for Jared Goff. And I don't believe that Nagy does that for Trubisky. He just gives him too complicated of reads. There's too much shit going on. There's too much checks. You're rotating different personnel in every other play. You're playing like four running backs, like eight receivers. Like it's just way too much going on with that offense. And I just do not think Trubisky is is ready for it. He just doesn't read the field that well to be ready for all that. Yeah, um, we can definitely blame Matt Nagy. I mean, that he got too cute. Um, you know, when it looked like your best running back was David Montgomery, um, run David Montgomery. Like, what what, what else were you doing? Yeah, like um, six carries or something. Yeah, that and he looked good on his carries as opposed to Mike Davis, who looked like a straight-up bum. Um, and, you know, Tariq Cohen is going to be a part of the game. They're going to move him around. They're going to – he's a weapon. But, yeah, that, that offense was terrible. But Mitch Trubisky is bad. Uh, he makes some throws every now and again. I mean, there's a reason that he was a top NFL quarterback, but he stinks. He does not see the field well at all. As far as, you know, there was plays. Everyone goes back to the play last year where he literally had his tight end wide open in the end zone. <laughs> Trey Burton. Jumping, doing right jumping jacks. I mean, it was crazy. And, um, you know, it was the same thing on Thursday night, man. You just – this guy, I've never seen a cat miss so many open targets. Not that he doesn't throw it to him. He just doesn't see him At all. You know, if you miss Allen Robinson on multiple occasions, who's your best receiver, that that is insane. But, yeah, the Bears are just – they were not good all around. That defense is good. But, you know, and they did their job by holding Aaron Rodgers to 10 points. But, I mean, they just didn't get any help from that offense. But on the Packers side of things – Packers didn't didn't really look great. Excuse me. Um, and it it doesn't. I I'm I'm not a big Aaron Jones guy. I still don't think the Packers have a ton of talent. Uh, but you know when you have Aaron Rodgers, that defense played better, and you have Aaron Rodgers, who you know you just need one good drive, which is exactly what he gave him. Um, there's no better quarterback to have than that. Yeah, and like the 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 Packers kind of just had the Bears figured out. You know what I mean? Like it. This happened last year. Uh, you know, the Bears come out hot, even with that defense, but 
Aaron Rodgers is comfortable. At some point, he always gets comfortable against the Bears, and he does just enough. So, I don't take a lot from that game because last year the Bears lost and the Bears still went 12-4. and I think Nagy will figure it out. I think he thought that Trubisky, like, grew more than he actually grew. You know what I mean? So, I think they'll they'll dumb the offense down and make it sim- simplify the offense and make it better for Trubisky. That's what happened last year. So, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make any um, broad prognosis against the about the Bears. I think they'll still be good. That defense is legit. He'll simplify the offense for Trubisky. As opposed to the Green Bay Packers, even though they won, I didn't feel good about that win. Now, if... Um, What's, what's his name? Scant Marcus Scant event. What is his name? M- yeah, Valdez. Valdez Scantley. If he can be more consistent, because he did stretch the field, but even with him being fast and stretching the field, the Bears were still able to put like three people on Devontae Adams and take him out the game plan. Without a running game and taking Adams out of there, any other team that can get their offense going and just see because it's not like Green Bay's defense was just overwhelming. It's just it was really just Trubisky just flat-out missing dudes. <laughs> so if any other offense can come in there and score against Green Bay, I think Green Bay is going to have trouble this year because there is just not a lot of talent on that team. They just they need to grow into their talent. I don't like their running game. Um, I, I I don't love their receivers right now. Aaron Rodgers can he can make plays, but I don't really love that offensive line. I think they're going. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to struggle as opposed. To, I think the Chicago Bears will be all right. Now I do think that that offensive line is better than that. I mean, but they were going to, up against one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. But you know, Devontae Adams got the targets, uh, but yeah, he was triple covered on a lot of that. But uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers was running for his life for most of that game. So um, you know, I, I think it's the first game of the season. I don't think. I, you really just don't take anything away from this. I don't think the Bears are that bad. I don't know that. The, I don't think the Packers are that good. Um, but I think both teams probably are going to be better uh, than that. I, I, I do think that um, that offense for for the Packers will will improve a bit. That line is better than it showed. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they have anything for a run game. And outside of Devontae Adams. Really, not a lot of proven talent on that team. Jimmy Graham had a good game, though. Yeah, but it was more just, just more kind of just throwing up jump balls. And it looks like Aaron Rodgers done lost some steam on those passes. A lot of those passes was just because the Bears are blitzing so many people and they can throw it back. But they were, he was short on him in a lot of those passes, which worked in his favor because the receivers could come back and get the ball. But I don't. Well, he's 35 years old, man. Yeah, but he just got $100 million. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 uh, Green Bay's fault. Yeah, so, um, so let's get to the Sunday games. Um, your twelve and four, thirteen and three Browns got absolutely mopped up uh, by the Tennessee Titans, who we both have known and said last week that that defense is absolutely legit. Yep. Um, that offense didn't look great. Uh, Derrick Henry came about. Marcus Mariota was awful as awful as always put up 43 points um, though yeah but that i mean that was because they couldn't stop that that vaunted browns defense that you claimed uh derrick henry ran all over them so um and they let a rookie wide receiver get 100 yards on them so the titans actually looked a a lot better than uh than i thought they would the the browns you know i i'm not as high on the browns as you i think they're a nine ten win team i you know Eight between eight and ten wins, 
Um, but they didn't look good at all. That offensive line, like I said last week, the offensive line is a mess. That secondary is suspect and just didn't look good overall. Now I know it's game one, uh, so I try not to overreact because I do think that the Browns are a talented team that could make the playoffs. I just don't think they're a 12, 11-12 win team. I really don't. So my overall point is that this preseason shit is showing. I don't think you're going to see the same shit next year. They're going to have to find some happy medium with playing a preseason. I mean, Baker Mayfield played a little bit more than most teams, but he didn't play with any of those players out there, like Jarvis Landry, um, Odell Beckham. Like He didn't play with any of his top-tier talent. So the only people that looked like they had success early was Rashard Higgins and Hillard. You know what I mean? Because most of the talent – didn't play in the preseason. So even though Baker Mayfield forced him forced himself on the field, that offense didn't have any kind of consistency because they hadn't played together. Like since mini camp or training camp. They hadn't had any real type of games together. We already said that the Titans defense was legit. So defense is usually ahead of the offense. So you go with a defense that's good to play an offense that hadn't played together and it looked terrible. So but part of the reason why I thought the Browns would win 12 games, and I still think, uh, maybe not 12, but I still think they'll win the division, is because I'm sitting here watching New England beat the shit out of Pittsburgh, 33-3, and it's a lot of the things that I thought would happen with Pittsburgh. I don't truly know that Juju is a true number one receiver without help, and he doesn't have a lot of help. You don't see Washington putting up 100 yards like he did in the preseason. Moncrief can't get open. James Conner is good, but he's not dominant. Like, they are really struggling, and that's what I thought would happen. The Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they're okay. I don't think they did anything exciting. I think the Browns are better than them. And the Ravens had an outstanding performance, but shit, it was against the Dolphins, who we know are tanking. So in a bad division, it's kind of like the Houston Texans for years that could easily squeak out 9 to 10 wins and go to the playoffs. That's the That's the... That's my basis of saying that. But I think the Browns' offense will get better. They will come together. They just have too many weapons well, not to. It, it can only get better. I mean, it couldn't get much worse. I mean, Baker Mayfield was sacked five times a day. Um, he he was bad. He threw three picks. Mm-hmm. He he was under pressure all game. He, I mean, yeah, the continuity is a big deal, but he was bad. Um, and the entire offense as a whole was bad. I mean, the def- actually, the defense was really bad, too. I mean, like I said, Derrick Henry had a 75-yard touchdown catch on him. Um, you know, <clears throat> he got 84 yards on him, and, and it just – New coach, new system, weak offseason, probably ain't tackling. All this – like, I – My point is, this isn't a 12-win team. I agree with you I that think they I, could and probably will win the division, but I don't see 11 to 12 wins here. Yeah, but, I mean, like we said, you can't make any proclamations in the first game. Like, right. there's some – it's My point is – is their schedule is, you know, teams that, like we said, the Titans can and will beat you. The Jets are probably in one of those, ah, I don't know what to say about the fucking Jets, but the Jets, we both agreed, are, are a playoff team, 10-win team. That's a game, that's not a given for the Browns. Um, you know, I don't see them beating Baltimore twice. It's it's going to be a tough year for them. I and I, I, you know, while I do agree that they can win the division, I don't see twelve. I don't see a dominant team here. Is what I'm saying. No, nah, all I'm saying is I, everybody pump the fucking brakes on the burn. No, I agree. I mean, any. I mean, I kind of go both ways. I just was leaning towards with the talent that they had and how they finished last season that they would come. 
12 might have been a little high. I still have them picked to win the division. I'll back up off the 12 and say maybe not 12, but I still have them <laughs> winning the division. Um, but if I mean, if you're going to win the division, how many games are you going to win? I mean, I, I think that the Ravens are a 10-win team. So if you're going to win the division, we, you got to both agree on that. You know what I mean? So if I have them win a division, they have to win more than 10 or at least beat the Ravens twice or something. You know what I mean? They can't win the division and the Ravens are going to win, you know, get 10 wins. So I think they're going to be better than the Ravens, even though the Ravens so, had an outstanding performance today. Let's talk about the Ravens. The Ravens beat the hell out of the Dolphins 59 to 10. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked great. Hollywood Brown looked great. Mark Everybody looked great. Looked great. Mark Andrews looks great. <laughs> There's not a person on Defense that team that great. didn't look great. <laughs> so, is this does this the, listen? The Dolphins are so bad that, according to multiple reports, multiple Dolphins requested a trade <laughs> right after, the after game. this game. Yeah, um, they had no running game to speak of. Part of that might be because they were down a hundred by the time they blinked. Um, but Kalen Balaj, I don't know what people's obsession with Kalen Balaj is, but he stinks. He stunk in the preseason. He he stinks, stinks. You look at, <laughs> I mean, you look at, you know, Kenyon Drake got four carries for twelve yards, so they didn't feature him at all. Um, Kalen Balaj, five carries, negative one yards. Yeah, I think I think Drake stinks too. I mean, I'm overall think both everybody on the run. I mean, so you have two mediocre running backs, and then you go and yeah. trade your best tackle. I mean, that's what you're going to get. Drake, they just don't use Drake. They just don't use this cat at all. Maybe that means he's just not good either. I mean, because they don't, they don't use him one bit. He had one carry for nine yards, and then the other three carries went for a yard apiece. I mean, he didn't look any better. Drake um, reminds me of TJ Yeldon. Yeah, probably not a main back, um, but a dynamic number two. Um, but like I said, Baltimore, Baltimore looked fantastic. Everybody that touched the field looked good. Um, Mark Andrews looked like a monster. Uh, Hollywood Brown, four receptions, 147 yards, two touchdowns. Mark Andrews, eight receptions, 108 yards, one touchdown. Um, but but still, let's let let let's calm down a bit and realize they the were Dolphins. playing the Dolphins. I don't think the Dolphins are even given a legit attempt to win, and I believe the game plan showed that. That's why multiple Dolphins are asking for trades because they know what type yeah. of season it's about to be. I mean, this is going to be a bad season. Yes, yeah they're they're looking at they're looking at number one pick territory. Um, let's go to the another team that was shockingly bad, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they got blown to smithereens by the uh, Minnesota Vikings today. Yeah, it's I don't even know what the deal was with that. They just didn't look like they had any energy. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just like they they felt like the hype was already there or they fed into the hype, but maybe that's the whole preseason thing too, but I'm not used to that from the Falcons. The Falcons usually come out and they play a good game. Like the running game was bad. Matt Ryan was bad. Julio wasn't, you know what I mean? It just didn't look like they were ready to play. It was really weird. Yeah, it was, I mean, because the Vikings weren't all that great. I mean, it wasn't like, oh my God, the Vikings dominated. Dalvin Cook looked good, but other than that, it wasn't like a great performance. Yeah, um, you know, Kirk Cousins threw, <laughs> Kirk Cousins threw ten passes, you know, for ninety-eight yards and a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, they, 
yeah, <laughs> it's not like Minnesota's offense was steamrolling them. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, Dalvin Cook looked good, but the the defense, the, the Vikings defense is tough. That's a, that's going to be a hard team to, to score on. I mean, the offense didn't look great, but yeah, they made they made this uh, this Falcon team look like a college football team. They almost made them look like the Dolphins, pretty damn bad. Yeah, the, I'll um, tell you that the Viking, that Vikings defense did look fast though. I mean, Xavier Rhodes. I don't know if he was hurt last year, but he looked exceptionally fast. <laughs> and he looked bigger than yeah. He I mean, that's a big dude. Yeah, they were close. They were um, like playing a cover three zone, playing off. But once those dudes caught the ball, they were hitting them. I don't know. They were just the Vikings were a lot more physical than the Atlanta Falcons and that's kind of been the knock on the Falcons or that they kind of they're kind of a soft team and once you punch them in the mouth and pound them by running the ball and hitting them every time they touch it they kind of shrivel up on you yeah um and you know for fantasy purposes I, I have a question what is the love for Stefan Diggs about like <laughs> for as much as people you try and trade somebody for Stefan Diggs, and you would think that you're out asking for Randy Moss. Um, I just don't get the fascination with this dude. Yes, he's talented, but he is the number two receiver on that team. Yeah, you have a better um, chance of getting Thielen than Stefan Diggs, which is crazy because Thielen has literally outscored and out yardage everything, every category, Diggs over the last three years. Yeah, um, I, I so I don't see the love for him, and he's always an injury concern. But yeah, I, I just I don't get it. But he's a you know um, he's always a threat for the big play. Like the big play. That's true. The problem is is he's boom or bust. Like he may you know only get you you know three points this week, but then next week he may get you twenty seven points. You know, so I could nah I don't like him. <laughs> like I don't like players like that. But that's the fascination when you look at his numbers the numbers always look like they add up but that's because you know some weeks he's 27 some weeks he's three i i don't yeah he and he and brandon cooks are the same guy yeah um so all right man let's go to the jets and the bills uh jets shockingly take a loss um you know like i said we both have this as a 10 win team i one thing that i just didn't figure out is that Adam Gase ain't a good coach. Nope. He stinks. Um, you know, I listen. The Bills, the Bills that they were awful today. Um, Josh Allen gave the ball away four, almost five times. Um, you know, it just yeah. You think about it. If you're not going to win this game, you know, with with a, an offense in Buffalo that really didn't do anything. Now we we've always said that 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 defense is always going to be legit, but the the uh, the Jets couldn't get anything going on offense. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So you you take this genius offensive coordinator, which that's how he's being built. That's why he's getting these jobs. Adam Gase is like the innovative genius. And then you give him weapons like Sam Darnold, who looked good last year. You give him Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, even Montgomery. You know, you, you give him Quincy. You, you can say that these dudes are bum, but, but these dudes look good last year. So how do you put them together with this offensive genius and then they score, what, 16 points and seven of it was on a pick six by the defense? You know what I mean? So they score, what, nine points against the Buffalo Bills? I mean, the Bills are a good defense, but they're not a dominant defense. They shouldn't be shutting down Le'Veon Bell. And that offensive line is actually good. So how 
how are they only scoring nine points against the Bills? Now, I do think the Bills are going to make it tough for a lot of teams. I think they're going to make games really ugly. I think that's their whole game plan is to make games ugly. But if you're the Jets, I expected that offense to be a lot better with a weapon like Le'Veon Bell and a deep threat and like that. They should be able to do more to put pressure on the defense than they were doing. That offense didn't look good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll see about that Jets 10-6. Maybe Adam Gase is that bad of a coach where he uh, – it doesn't matter. It, it could, you he couldn't get... fuck up a 10-6. and six. But, I mean, he did just lose to the Bills. But, I mean, he got the Dolphins twice. I <laughs> mean, come on. Yeah, and we see what they're about. Um the Washington Redskins Philadelphia Eagles was a very good game. Uh, Washington came out the hot, and they came out they hot. They came out swinging. Yeah, they did. They uh, looked good. Case Keenum actually looked really, really good coming out. They were really picking the Eagles apart. But I go back to what I keep saying: none of the Eagles played together in the preseason. None of the offense, none of the defense. I mean, you you put players together, but Fletcher Cox literally didn't play a preseason game. You mix, mixing and matching secondary players, and you could tell that's what was going on in the first half. But luckily, the Eagles with Deshaun Jackson, they were able to put it together and turn it around. It was 17-0 in the second quarter, I think, Deshaun before Deshaun Jackson's 54-yard touchdown. And that was a turning point in the game for the Eagles. And then they kind of got it going in the second half and ended up dominating this whole second half and coming back and winning that game. Yeah, and the Redskins, their passing defense or passing uh, uh, line, you know, when they drop back to their pass protection looked good. Their run, their run offense or their run protection was god awful. Um, and they 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 actually guys, dropped the ball though. They dropped the ball by not activating, um, not activating Adrian Peterson. I kind of feel what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They were kind of trying to show Geist that he was the guy because Geist has some kind of like. Issues, you know, they they brought in AP last year, then they drafted like two running backs, so he was kind of feeling some type of way. So I feel like they were trying to show him that he was secure, but that was a bad move if you're trying to win games. I mean, when yeah, because he, he did not look good, um, and, and there were times where he showed burst. Some of his plays got called back, but um, no, he overall didn't look good at all. I mean, he ended up with. Um, you know, 18 yards on 10 carries. That's abysmal. I think they just got Juju hurt. 33-3, see him throwing the ball. It looks like he just did something to his ankle. Oh, hell. <laughs> With a minute left in the game. Um, but Sorry to all your fantasy squads out there. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, but I, I was really impressed with the Eagles in the second half. I think that's what I've been kind of talking about in the groups is that Deshaun Jackson is going to be a benefit for Carson Wentz. Uh, before if you, before you get Deshaun Jackson on your team, like that's why he was so good with Nick Foles because he's a bailout. <laughs> At some point in time, you can just close your eyes and throw it as far as you can, and he's going to get a couple of them. You may not get every one of them, but he can spark the offense, and that's what the Eagles have been missing over the last two years. They've been missing a legitimate spark and deep threat. Nelson Aguilar would do it for one or two games, but not consistently. It was mainly Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey and underneath passes and kind of grinding it out. They haven't really had a home run threat that they could depend on in the Doug Peterson era. So having Deshaun Jackson is going to be big for that offense. It's going to take a lot of pressure. And as that run game, as they start to figure out that run game, because Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders both look good. 
Um, they just have to figure out the rotations better than they did today. Yeah, Miles Sanders looked damn good. Um, Darius Pro's got a lot of run today, and he shouldn't. Which is, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a bit concerning. Um, he, well, Miles Sanders led the backfield and carries, but not by much. Um, but even he had a couple plays called back, and Miles Sanders looked good. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be the back that wins that offense. Well, I'd say I'll say um, Jordan Howard actually looked good too. They didn't really start giving him the ball till the fourth quarter. I think he only had like three carries up to the fourth quarter, but he was literally getting five, six yards a carry every time he carried the ball. I think at some point in time they're going to have to go with the one-two punch of Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard because Miles Sanders was doing a good job in pass protection too. Some point playing Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles, you're just hurting yourselves and developing your other talent. Right. Um, Deshaun Jackson looked like he never left. He looked like he was in his prime. I mean, eight receptions, 154 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he had a great game. Alshon Jeffrey looked good. That, I mean, that that Eagles offense in the second half really came to life. Um, one thing I did, I will say, Washington, they've got some young talent. Yeah, they do. Um, and Case spread the ball around, too. Mm-hmm. This seems like a good fit for Case Keenum. Um, you know, that Denver offense is a little – that Denver's offense is a, is a fucking mess. So there wasn't really much chance of him succeeding there. But maybe this is closer to that Case Keenum that you saw in, in Minnesota, um, a guy who's competent and can win you some games. So uh, they got some young talent there. I'm, I'm curious to see how it turns out for the Redskins, but I don't see them going very many places this year. What's up with collarbones? Um, I just got a report. Devin Funch just broke his collarbone. I just traded for that. That's punk. the injury injury of the day. Three <laughs> collarbone injuries. Uh, you know, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, uh, but let's go to the Colts. I mean, I thought Jacoby Brissett looked good. I did too. I I'm in on Jacoby Brissett. I've I've said that since um, Andrew Luck retired. Um, he looked good. Um, you know, they're going to be conservative with him. He but he was twenty one and twenty seven for one hundred ninety yards and two touchdowns. So you know, a little dink and dunks, but. Um, he looked good, and that, that defense is really good as well. Marlon Mack looked great, uh, 25 carries for 174 yards. I mean, he really went off. Um, I also and, like that they're you know, really pounding him, and they're not switching four or five different backs. They really gave him 25 carries and let him yep. kind of shine behind that offensive line. Yep, and that defense, that Colts defense is for real. Um, that's a good defense. Even though they lost today, that is a good defense. Uh, the Chargers, uh, Austin Eckler had himself a hell of a game. Uh, 12 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. Uh, six receptions for 96 yards, two touchdowns. Keenan Allen had a big game, eight receptions, 123 yards. Now, they did lose um, Mike Williams. We'll see how serious that injury is. But um, the Chargers look like the Chargers. That defense is looks like it has some holes in it missing Duran James is obviously a big deal um but they won the game Philip Rivers had a great game uh a very Philip Rivers game 25 34 333 yards so and three touchdowns I mean but that seems like what he does every game so all I took um, from that game is that Melvin Gordon is not getting paid <laughs> no he is no, not, not he is not getting that money that he wants. He's going to have to go to another team. I don't think he has to worry about a franchise tag. I think they are okay with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Unless they just show that this game is a fluke. What Austin Eckler does is pretty similar to what Melvin Gordon does. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> um 
All right, let's jump around a little bit, man. You got the Rams and the Panthers. Um, we don't really need to break down every game. Um, Cam was terrible. I do want McCaffrey was awesome. Yeah, McCaffrey was was really really damn good. Um, and but the Rams came away with the victory. Um, the Panthers look like they need to get some stuff figured out. Um, but DJ Moore looked like the focal point of that offense from a receiving standpoint. Uh, Cam Newton seems like he's going to dial it back a little bit. Maybe not so many deep throws, and they're going to their personnel personnel is definitely built more for um that those short routes that they can take it to the house so um yeah it looks like they're gonna lean on McCaffrey a little bit more I'm I don't want to take too much from that game just because they were playing a really good Rams team I mean at the end of the day that's the NFC champions they had a late comeback where they started to pull it together with Cam missing the preseason I think they did pretty well so I think this is still going to be a good team I agree um Jaguars and Chiefs Chiefs look really good we touched on them earlier um the jags didn't look bad either but the chiefs were they're gonna be hard to beat man i mean freaking mahomes threw for 300 yards and two three touchdowns in the first half um <laughs> good luck with the chiefs brother uh, one thing i will say for fantasy purposes all you damian williams people out there <laughs> you can kiss a goodbye the, the, if it weren't for that touchdown uh, would have been a real waste of a day because he was basically averaging one yard a carry. Or I think it was two yards a carry at the end. Uh, but what was he? Uh, I think nine carries for – or eight carries for 16 yards. And, you know, LaShawn McCoy had – sorry, he had 13 carries for 26 yards, so a, a abysmal two yards a carry. Meanwhile, LaShawn McCoy is averaging eight yards a carry. Um, so once he gets comfortable in that offense, goodbye Damian Williams. Uh, he's clear. I mean, he may be a good receiving option, third down back, but that is clearly not a guy that you want running the ball for you. Yeah, I must agree. I mean, I, that offense is really good. Again, I don't want to take too much from the Jags. I think the Jags would have been better if Nick Foles was still in the game. I and mean, we got to remember Nick Foles broke his collarbone throwing a touchdown pass to DJ Chark. So they got they got kind of blown out. But when you miss your starting quarterback, got a rookie coming in there, and they still tried, but. It's just it's not like having your starting quarterback in there. There's a reason why they gave Nick Foles twenty million dollars. Now the the Kansas City Chiefs did jump out jump out on them, but I mean it's a dynamic offense. It's kind of hard hard to stop so many different weapons when you add in a LaShawn McCoy now that was getting what six or seven yards a carry. That's gonna be a, eight yards yeah a carry. eight yards a carry. That's gonna be a very very dynamic offense, and I don't know. If the Jags couldn't stop them from scoring like 40, because even without your quarterback, you should have been able to slow that defense, that that offense down. If the Jags couldn't slow that offense down, uh, the NFL's in real trouble. I mean, I think we're probably going to see – it's going to be very interesting to see New England and the Kansas City Chiefs play each other in this AFC Championship game because that's what it's looking like is going to happen. Yeah, and then quickly, uh, Seahawks beat the Bengals in a com- more competitive game than we thought it would. Chris Carson looked great. DK Metcalf looked really good. Um, Bengals, John Ross is good apparently still. Um, and Andy Dalton threw for 400 yards. So, uh, But the Bengals stink. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's week one. I'm going to whatever to that game. Um, Giants, Cowboys, same deal. Uh, the Giants stink. We know it. The Cowboys look fantastic, uh, but the Giants are bad. Yeah, I, I like the uh, – uh, like, I want to touch on Dak. You know, everybody says Dak's the dink and dunk player. Hey. He aired it out today. Hey, you know, Michael Gallup, develop a little bit. You got Amari Cooper. 
I don't think he's dinking and dumping anymore. I think he's kind of letting it fly. 400 yards. I think he said like a Cowboys record or something. Like, you give him some weapons and you know what? He can throw the ball a little bit. Yep. So, the Lions and the Cardinals. Interesting game. Um, our, our, our prediction of Matt Patricia getting fired. I, I What do you think the odds on the first coach fired is going to be? Um, and who do you think it is? Because I am going to go ahead and throw Matt Patricia's name in the ring. I don't think it'll be Matt Patricia. I think I think they're kind of committed to Matt Patricia. It's only his second year, right? I think it's his third year. Is it? If it's his third year, he might be up I, for I it. Think, I think it's his third year. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what's the coach for Atlanta? I <laughs> think he might be in trouble more than Matt Patricia. Yeah, that's true. Because um, if they start Dan off, Quinn. yeah, Dan Quinn, if he starts off 0-3, 0-4, and they're supposed to be healthier and back to full strength, and, and they just gave Julio a fully, we didn't talk about that, but they just gave him a fully guaranteed $64 million contract. Well, I guess it was $66 million, but he gets $64 million like in the next three days or something, which is crazy, but... Yeah, if they struggle, Dan Quinn, you got to really take a hard look at Dan Quinn. Um, but the Cardinals were boo-boo most of that game and came out and they tied the game um, and went to overtime and we got our first tie of the year. Uh, Kyler Murray looked good at times. At times he looked bad. Uh, he had a great second half. The Cardinals looked awful, awful, awful. Kings, Cliff Kingsbury looked terrible um, most of this game, but – I'm still not sold on them. I think they're going to stink. I think the Lions stink. Uh, so, you know, the, Kenny Galladay had a good game. Matt Stafford looked good. And TJ Hawkinson looks like the real deal. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a – like, we had both these teams as just being – I think we had the Lions as being average and um, the Cardinals as being terrible. I don't think the Cardinals going to be terrible, man. I think that they're going to grow a little bit. They they definitely showed something. They, they didn't give up uh, after they got down. I mean, they, they showed some fight. I mean, of course, the first half, we already said that that offensive line was terrible. So they had some real trouble at the beginning of that game with that offensive line. But eventually, you know, Kyler Murray making plays, Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson looks like he's back. They used him out the backfield um, catching passes. I think that they're going to be better than we think and better than we predicted them. I don't think that's a three or four win team. I think they're going to sneak and win six or seven games and they're going to be a tough matchup. Their pass rush was also actually kind of legit. And to score those points on that Detroit defense, it's kind of meaningful because that's one thing that Matt Patricia, that defense has been good the past two years. Y'all going to learn to stop hiring these Patriots. (laughs) They stink. Um 49ers, Buccaneers, I don't want to spend too much time on this game, but James Winston, I don't know how the hell he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Good night, he stinks. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't look great. Uh, you and I have kind of, I think we're both out on Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, he just, I don't think he's that good. Uh, we know James Winston's not good. Awful, um, awful. Got the new coordinator yeah. in Byron Leftwich, who was supposed to understand him because he's a quarterback, and he looked atrocious. Yeah, so I, I don't think either of these teams are playoff teams, so I'm not going to spend any time on it. Um, the Patriots and Steelers game is final. Uh, the Patriots beat the living hell out of the Steelers, uh, 33-3. Juju Smith-Schuster gets hurt on the last play of the game. Um, so you fancy guys out there, good luck to you. Uh, he looked like he was okay, Tom Brady. though. He was talking on the sideline. He didn't go to the locker room or anything. Tom Brady, uh, 
Tom Brady game. You know, I've seen him on a lot of waiver wires and on fantasy football leagues, and uh, I picked him up today for nothing. That's ridiculous. Uh, actually, yesterday, as AB news broke, I picked him up for nothing. So, but you're in the, sucks for the rest of the you're league. In three team leagues or something. That's Tom. That's Tom <laughs> Brady sitting on the waiver wire. <laughs> he didn't get drafted in either of my redraft leagues. Pretty crazy. Um, well, just know that they just beat the Steelers thirty-three to three, and they're getting AB probably next week. Which is nuts. Yeah. A.B., Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman. And they didn't even get their run uh, game going today. <laughs> yeah, the Patriots are filthy. Um, let's switch gears, man. Let's get to college football. We had a couple of games. Um, I mean, it wasn't a super competitive weekend. You and I kind of talked about that. Um, but the LSU-Texas game lived up to the hype. And uh, Texas A&M and Clemson did not. Um yeah, I kind of predicted Any takeaways from the weekend. Yeah, I kind of predicted that that Clemson Texas A and M game wasn't going to live up to the hype. I just didn't believe in Mons, and he proved me right. He was just awful in that game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence still showed some struggles. He did make some plays, but that's against a bad Texas A and M team. I think Lawrence is going to have to step his game up if they're going to go undefeated this year, because there's teams like Syracuse who they're playing next week, which has always been a tough matchup for Clemson, uh, Maryland. I don't know what the fuck is going on with them, but they're averaging like 70 points a game. Yeah, they're not messing Yeah, around. so that new offense that they got, I'm very interested to see what they do against a team like Clemson. So Lawrence is going to have to make more plays. and He can't just focus on ETN and letting him uh, make the plays because he's, he's he hadn't looked great. He, he definitely has not looked great. The LSU-Texas game, that was a good game. Um I'm very impressed with LSU's quarterback Burrow. Uh, yep. For them to, for LSU to be able to put up 45 points against any contending team is dangerous for college football in general. <laughs> because if they've got the athletes that they usually have, and that defense is as good as it usually is, they've been needing an offense forever. A so, competent quarterback is always dangerous for LSU because that's all they're usually missing. <laughs> yep. And so I'm I'm excited. Do you think uh, LSU moves into? You think they're a top five team? I think they have to be. I mean, they were they were number six when they just beat Texas, and Texas was nine, so they got to move up to two or three, I would think. Um, OU had a they had a light game against um, South Dakota. They had so the rankings have a tendency to knock you for that and drop you back. I think Ohio State plays Cincinnati, so they'll stay up there. I don't really know who they'll jump, but they're definitely a top three team. I mean, they're dangerous, and they Alabama's on notice. The SEC West is going to be tough this year just with those three teams, LSU, yep. Alabama, and Auburn, because I, I like Auburn. And Arkansas. I like Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going to yes. respect me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not dealing with you today. We already talked about this. Y'all lost the Ole Miss, man. Uh, yep. So uh, Michigan – I know a lot of people are going to talk shit, but Michigan's a good team. But one thing is what people don't realize, Army's not an easy team to be fucking around with, especially like if you don't play this type of offense very often, which Army plays, you know, that wishbone offense. I mean, that's not – or whatever the hell that offense is. I mean, that's not an easy – that's not an easy game. So, while I, I do think that they've been humbled a little bit, I think Michigan's better than I. You know, I think they're better than what this game showed. Yeah, I mean, 
Army was Army almost upset OSU. I mean OU last year, the same fashion. So I'm not gonna, I'm gonna not gonna knock Michigan too hard. I will say that they do have, they need to fix that offense a little bit. That Shea Patterson or whatever, he needs to get better. But other than that, I mean, you fuck around with a team that just comfortable going out there and getting three, four yards every carry. I think the dude threw five passes, two of them were picks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, so they just, they're, they're going to pound you. They're physical. They're coming at your head every single play. If you can make them pass, then it's to your advantage, which we saw in that game. If you can't stop them from getting three or four yards of carry, then you're going to have trouble. And that's kind of the kind of what happened to them is what happened to OU last year. If you can't stop them from getting four yards of carry, because if it's fourth and one, they're 1,000% going for it. And you're going to have time of possession is going to be all messed up. Your defense is going to be out there all day, and your offense is never going to be able to get in rhythm. So I commend Michigan for being able to fight through it. Their defense made some big plays to win that game. That's a tough That's a tough game to play. <laughs> so I'm not going to knock Michigan too. I don't think Michigan's that good, but I'm not going to knock them from this weekend's performance. I do think Michigan end up with two or three losses, but not because of this, just because they're not a good team. They were never a number seven team. Yeah, and um, as we, you and I talked about, by the end of this weekend, the Pac-12 has pretty much already knocked themselves out of the college football playoff. Um, uh, Utah. Can... Utah looks oh, dangerous. Yeah, I, I did forget about Utah. Yeah, they yeah, look Utah dangerous. Utah does look good. Um, but Washington losing to uh, Cal, um, you know, that's a tough loss. But USC came and beat the hell out of Stanford. Um, USC actually looked pretty good. With a backup and quarterback. They lost. Yeah, uh, Slovis, and I know they. I was going to say I know they lost their starter last year to a torn ACL, but their backup quarterback looks fantastic. Um, but you got any faith in Washington know, State? I, their quarterback looks good. too. I think that they're going to be a tough team. I don't think that they're you know, uh, you know, I don't think they'll win the Pac-12 or anything. But I think they'll be a tough out. I'm really interested in this mystery of Maryland because I mean, yeah. You he can brush off the sixty points they're th- they're scoring, but they're just doing it so easily. So I want to I want to see Maryland play a legit competitive team, so I can actually see if they're that good. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see that as well. Um, all right, man. Before we get out of here tomorrow, you got the Oakland Raiders versus the Denver Broncos. You've got the Texans versus the Saints. You should have two good Monday night games. Um, college football is seems like they're taking the weekend off. Um, no real good games next week. Um, you know, I don't even think any ranked teams play each other next week. So, uh, not a lot to talk about there. I think the um, biggest matchup is but, Syracuse Clemson. If Syracuse can try to pull the upset against Clemson. Yeah, and you know, that's not a must-see game exactly. So, um, Anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm just interested to see how your Raiders will respond and how Denver's going to look their first game out. And then Texans, I'm interested to see how they look with Tonsil in the trade. But, nah, this is kind of a light week because there's not a lot of great matchups. Who, do you know who the Thursday yeah. night game is this week? Uh, college football? Nah, uh, NFL. Is that, oh, NFL. Is that a Thursday night uh, game? Yeah, I don't know who it is, though. It probably doesn't matter. I was just curious, but, yeah. Nope, that's about it. I think think we covered it all. Yeah, well, getting this this early episode out to you guys. We're traveling this week, so. Buccaneers, uh, Panthers. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, 
not a must see game either. <laughs> so, um, good luck till next Sunday, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, that's it. That's all. Peace. Peace.